Hello, my favorite people. Welcome to another edition of Fired Up Radio. I am your host, Anthony Hansen, and here we're just fired up about the Word of God and just seeking His face and just fired up when it comes to prayer and just preaching and teaching His Word. Today, I want us to continue the book of James. Now, we're in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of the book of James is what we're going to be covering. And I believe that it can all be summed up in one verse when it comes when it comes to verses 1 through 4. And that's going to be in James chapter 1. Alright, or James chapter 2 verse 1. Let's pray and then just dive right in. Lord, we just thank you for this day, because you've allowed, you have allowed us to come together and to enjoy one another, to be able to come together and just be able to seek your face, read your word, and to just being able to, to, to just lean on to you. Father, I pray right now that as, as we go through this time of reading your word and, and just ministering your word, may your word go forth like a double-edged sword, rightly dividing bone and marrow, soul and spirit, knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that is through the washing of your word that we are made whole, we are made new, and we are restored. So Jesus, we give you room. Holy Spirit, we give you room to operate this morning. Father, we give you room to help us, to guide us, to teach us, so in that way we could become more like you. We are made in your likeness and your image. And we long for people to see who you are through us. Not so we can receive glory, but so you can have all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We ask this in your name. Amen. And amen. So, James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it goes a little something like this. And I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, which is a more recent translation. So if you have that, great. If you don't have that, awesome. Because guess what? Pretty much they all say the same with the exception of a couple of interchanging words and changing the punctuation. Actually, I encourage you to have multiple versions because it helps with Bible study. And it also helps you see things a little differently because sometimes... A little bit of the changing of the dic- of the words and the syntax, guess what? Ends up giving you a better understanding of what God is saying and what is trying to be communicated through the disciples of Jesus and those of the Old and New Testament, may I add. So, with that being said, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, reads this. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, Stand over there, or 
sit here on the floor by my footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? With that being said, I believe the first opening verse of this chapter says it all. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism. First off, Jesus is approaching us in a relational standpoint because he's calling us brothers and sisters. Why? Because when it comes to Jesus Christ, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he came to live, he lived, died, was buried on the third day, conquering Satan, hell, sin, death, and the wrath of God, and the resurrected is now seated at the right hand. When we all believe in that confession and the life of Jesus Christ, we're adopted into the kingdom of God. And because we're all adopted into the kingdom of God, that all makes us brothers and sisters. So James is making this personal. He's making he's 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 giving us an eye-to-eye level talk. When it comes to something in particular. When it comes to. When it comes to favoritism. Because apparently this was an issue. In the New Testament church. And we may be thinking like. How can this be the case? How can there be such thing as favoritism in the New Testament church? Well, mind you, nothing much has really changed except the how we live. They didn't have technology then. They only had papyrus paper and ink and scribes. With us, what do we got? We got technology. We got phones, laptops. We got social media. We got YouTube. We got podcast stations. We, we, we have everything at our fingertips. But them in the, in, in the New Testament church... In the early church, everything had to be had to be delivered by horse or mule, by letter carriers. We still got those, don't we? But even still, my brothers and sisters, my question is: When are we going to make the Bible personal? When are we going to find it? finally take the Bible and use it as a mirror instead of binoculars. Because if James is making this a personal matter, why aren't we making it personal for us? Not in the sense of cutting out and having a perforated Bible, but using it in the matter of, like, this is, this is a book, a collection of books, an encyclopedia, if you will, of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in, in a book of instruction. Excuse me. Taking this as a book of instruction and it, as God presenting to us a mirror. For us not to condemn us for our wrongs, but to say, hey, look, Like a parent to a child saying, hey, look, are you seeing what I'm seeing and how you're acting? This is not how I want you to be. This is not how I want you to reflect me. 
Because let's face it, a child only reflects what their parents have already done. Guess what? God shows no partiality. He doesn't show favoritism. He breathes life to the wicked and to and to the righteous. He gives the same breath of life to the wicked and to the righteous. He provides the need for the wicked and the righteous. Everything he does for the righteous in general sense, he does for the wicked. Why? Because he's not a God of partiality. The only thing that's different between us and the wicked, between the righteous and the wicked, is the prayers. God does not hear the prayers of the wicked because of their wickedness. He only hears the prayers of the righteous because we, because we fall under the banner of grace and mercy that is new every morning. The, mer the mercy Excuse me. The mercy that is everlasting. That's the difference. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't show partiality. Some may say, oh, but, 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 but it says in the book of Proverbs that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor. Yeah. Favor doesn't mean partiality. That's not what that means. It means that you receive a special that you receive a special blessing when it comes to marriage. Oh, oh, but but when but God favors those who 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 give. Yeah, He favors. He blesses them. You know why? Because tithing only enforces the defense of God over the seed, the offering, the first fruits that we sow. Because when we sow a seed and we name it, guess what happens? God watches over it. God rebukes the devourer and anything that tries to rob us of the seed of manifesting the very fruit in which in which we've called it and proclaimed it to become, watches over it so it can manifest itself in the manner in which it was in which it was sown for. That's the difference. Yeah, here's the thing. Do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith. You know, I find that phrasing interesting. Only because of this. As we read verses 2 through 4, we see the difference of how, we see the difference how one whose riches is, is, is loved on versus the one who's poor. Yet faith is colorblind. Faith, in faith, there is no class. J 
James right now is combating the issue of classism. Yes, you have your rich, you have your poor, you have your middle class. Cool. Great. Awesome. Guess what? That's the financial being, well-being of a grouping, of a family, of a person. That's their status. In this life, great. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we're all created equal. We are all made in the same likeness and image of God. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So why then would we in the church begin to begin to form cliques? Why would we in the church begin to show favoritism towards rich people? And yet denote those who really need help. When yet we read earlier in James chapter 1 at the end of the chapter that we're called to take care of the widows and the orphans. To, to clothe those who are naked and to meet the needs of those who are poor. Yet we still show favoritism in the church. And we say we believe in God. Yet we proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Please tell me where, the, where, where there's not an issue. Does this not still go on today? Do we not see cliques? Do we not see groupings? Do we not see favoritism being played out within the church? I would venture to say the only reason why there's favoritism is because no one wants a disciple. The pastor only leans on a certain group of people because he knows that they'll be there. Because he knows that he could depend on them. Because no one else has chosen to step up to the plate. And yet the pastor wonders why he's always burnt out at the end of the week. Because he's the only one doing the very same that he's doing the very things that are necessary. And the very same people that he keeps leaning on to get things done within the church are also getting burnt out. Because they're also taking on the very same load every single week, if not maybe more. Yet little do we know that the very people who are in the church can be used in various ways to help lighten the load to where it becomes the power of all and not the power of some. I know it may sound like I'm going on a little bit of a tangent right now, like a little bit of a rant, but allow me to explain something. James here is coming from the point of a leader, and he's tired of picking up the weight himself. He's tired of seeing and trying to fix the brokenhearted because of the church hurt. He's tired of trying to repair the damage done by those who are under his leadership and his guidance by the authority of Jesus Christ that has been placed over him. Because of favoritism, those who are denoted as less than have been hurt by the church. Go ahead and try to tell me that this ain't the case now. Because you got people who have come and messed up, jacked up seven ways from Sunday, and yet they're turned away 
by the church themselves, yet they're the ones being turned away because they don't look a certain way, because they don't act a certain way. That's not supposed to be the church. The church is supposed to be a collection of people who are to welcome in the widows and the orphans, the fo- those who are feel like they have been outcasted, the misfits, the the the, the outfitters. These are the people who are seeking for help. These are the people who are seeking for a purpose. These are people who are seeking for an identity. Yet the church still makes them feel less than. Yet they one yet we wonder why people call us hypocrites. Yet people wonder why. God favors the church when yet the church has acted like a bunch of school kids having their own little cliques and clubs and excluding everybody else when yet the church is meant to be inclusive, accepting all people from all over. Despite your history, despite your past, despite your pain, Despite everything that you've gone through, this is a place of healing. This is a place of, the church is meant to be a place of healing. The church is meant to be a place of restoration. The church is meant to be a place of refreshing. The church is meant to be a place of building up, not tearing down. The only thing that gets torn down is the past. What does it tell us in in 2 Corinthians 7.15? For the old has passed away, yet behold, the new has come. I'm sorry, 517. For we're made new in Christ Jesus. For the old has passed away, yet behold, the new has come. Those who come in the church are trying to are trying to get rid of their past. They're trying to run from it and run to God, run to Jesus Christ, making him their Lord and their Savior. Yet here we are in the church causing church hurt and causing people to run away from the church and running away from Jesus. Yet Jesus didn't turn us away. This is a charge to the church, and I'm going to wrap this up here, because I believe it's already been said and done. This is probably going to be the shortest episode to date, and I'm okay with that, because I believe that the point has been driven home already. We cannot continue to be the church and yet inflict church hurt. We cannot be the church and yet instill classism, exclusivity, when yet the church is meant to be inclusive, accepting of all people, sharing the love of Jesus Christ, sharing his grace and his mercy and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which allows all people to come to the feet, come to the foot of the cross, acknowledging that they're sinners in need of a savior, just like the rest of us who have been in church for X amount of years. And that we walk with them through the process of being made whole, of being made new, of being loved by the Father. 
who saved a wretched man like me? Who saved a wretched woman like you? The same God who rescued not just us, but each and every person whom we've prayed for, whom we've interceded, whom we've interceded for, whom we fought for in the spirit realm. God isn't here. James James here is confronting the very issue that's, that's, that's taking place today. So I challenge you this week. Don't look at somebody because they don't look put together. When you confront somebody today in whatever manner, this is that's your opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be like, look, I know you're jacked up. I am too. I believe in Jesus. How about you? You feel like you need to get your life right? Mine isn't all put together. Yet Jesus accepts me who I am, but yet loves me too much to not leave me the same way that I came. It's all about process. You don't change overnight. But it makes it a whole lot easier with Jesus in your corner. And with the Holy Spirit in your heart. I encourage you this week to reach out to the hurting and to the hopeless. I encourage you, I challenge you to reach out to people even in the church, new faces. Take them out for a cup of coffee. Sit down with them over the phone for a few minutes and begin to know them and to begin to draw them into the kingdom of God even more. Whether they've accepted Jesus Christ and their Lord's, as their Lord and Savior in their heart or not. Because who knows, maybe the relationship that they have with you is the very thing that they need to push them into, to, 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 to let them know it's okay to step into the waters of the kingdom. It's okay. It's not going to be a perfect ride. But we'll be able to serve a perfect God. I challenge you this week to do it. Do it. Lord knows I got a couple people in my heart that I need to reach out to. With that, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time of just gathering together and just reading your word and just breaking it down. Father, we thank you for the word that brings life. We thank you for your word that corrects us. And that's not afraid to call us out for the things that we've done wrong. Father, if we've shown favoritism or partiality within your church, within the body of believers. Father, right now we repent of it. Because we've sinned against you. Because you've told us not to show partiality. Yet we've shown, we've shown partiality. We've shown favoritism towards a group of people. And yet your body is inclusive. It's for all people who are hurting, who are broken, who are helpless, 
who are hopeless, who are skeptics. It's your kingdom, God. And forgive us for mismanaging it. But help us see how you want us to maintain your kingdom. Show us how you want us to maintain relationships within the church. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Because you're faithful and true in all that you say and all that you do. You're faithful and just in all your ways. We love you and we glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, with that being said, guys, I thank you for joining me today on this episode of Fired Up Radio, where we are continuing the book of James. We've just gone through chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Next week, we will be covering the second, the, the, another portion, verses 5 through 7. So if you want to read ahead and break it down, do it. Verses 5 through 7 of James chapter 2. And don't forget, Wednesday, Warring Wednesday, I'll have the episode uploaded then. I can't wait for you guys to join me on Warring Wednesday. This is, there's been a shift taking place and I can't wait to see it come to pass and just manifest itself. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for joining me. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for Warring Wednesday. And next week, James chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Love you guys. Have an awesome day.